helping educators connect with great people doing great things in education. This is the Connected Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Dempsey, coming to you from the Gateway City. This is the podcast by educators, for educators. Welcome and thanks for spending your time with us. Today we have a special treat that happens to be very timely as teachers start their year and are putting together their classrooms. We have an interview with Rebecca Hare, who is a second career teacher, first career designer, who is now an elementary art teacher in Southern Florida. I know you're really going to enjoy her perspective and passion for learning space and design, and I hope you're able to gain some new ideas about improving your classroom or school tomorrow. Let's get our learning face on. Here we go. Absolutely. So Rebecca, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to becoming a teacher because it didn't start out that way. No, um, my family, I come from a family of educators. And so the last thing I wanted to do was to become an educator myself. I, uh, I, I was fascinated with art and um, I had no idea that you could do design because all we had in our school was art. I went to the University of Kansas and they had an industrial design program. So that means designing anything that's made in series and um, an interior program. So I worked in that. I did three years and I got a scholarship to study at the European Design Institute in Milan, Italy. And so I um, got all that together, flew over there and was studying and finished my degree in Italy. And then the like two days before I graduated, I got a job with a design consultancy. So it was wow. really lucky. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was amazing. And and so that consultancy, I did a lot of exhibition spaces. So things that would pop up. And it's amazing because now I understand that those were learning spaces. They were, they were companies that were trying to teach people about their products and about their services. So we were creating mini learning spaces that would pop up. Sometimes they would be really small and sometimes they would be like the size of houses and, and two or three stories high. Uh, so we, it was always about how people are going to come in, what they're going to do. It was really about the journey. And in the meantime, I had um, two children and mm -hmm. became really good friends with educators in, in Europe. And we would sit up and talk about how, um, how things had to change and I became sort of passionate about um, the way I think that design and thinking like designers think can change and support our students. So yeah. I got really, really nerdy and decided to go back and get my master's degree in education. That is <laughs> so awesome. Whole family flew back over to the United States and I studied in St. Louis. So even back then you were thinking about exhibitions as learning spaces. That's cool. I was, and, I, and not, I, I don't think I had that same vocabulary, but that's, what it, that's really what it was. People, had, people didn't understand a product, or they didn't understand all the times of service, and so you know, it, was, it was all the different ways in which you're going to bring them in. And when I started to study education, I found the two things were, were similar. In no other world do people use design as frequently as you do in education. That's it was really, really cool. cool. And, and people don't always think about it or use that kind of language, but it's always there. It's always there. I think teachers, when they understand that they're designing experiences and everything that comes at you is a part of that experience, you start to see that your role more holistically. Yeah. So then you got into helping teachers out with classroom design. And when, so when did that all kind of take off and why did you get into that? 
Well, it was, um, I, I had, I was focused on bringing design into the curriculum and mm -hmm. then, uh, through, um, Amy Peach from Fawn Fawn University, she asked me if, um, I would do a workshop on learning space design because I had talked to some teachers about it and I walk into any space and I start moving things around and I start thinking how things can, and if you ask my sister, anyone in my family, like, okay, you have to come and tweak. And so <laughs> I've, oh, I've always done that. I did that even just with my friends for consultancies. I've done a lot of people's houses and businesses just as friends. So whenever I move into a new space and so I go into a classroom and I, and I start thinking that's a dead space, you know, this, this is like has very low energy. We could be having students doing something here. And I notice people's behaviors. It's really creepy. It's not fun to be my friend. <laughs> but so I, you're the I, friend I, that gets the call like, hey, where should my desk go? But then you start using language and they get kind of blown away. So an educator would call me, hey, can you come see my classroom? And like, I'd like some ideas for my bulletin board. And what ends up happening is maybe the bulletin board isn't the issue. Maybe, um, maybe it's student seating. Maybe it's um, you need to support students through different different areas, and so it's never if you focus on the object, you never um, you you're probably missing a better opportunity to make change. Ah, that's really good. If you focus on just like the bulletin board, you're missing everything yeah. else. And said so if you if you really focus on what the experience is, and all of those all the elements are there to support that experience, then. You, you, you have more of a flexibility in your mind to say, well, maybe we shouldn't have a desk or maybe we should only have three or um, perhaps that wall could be made of this material. And, but it, you're, it's really, really about the doing, what people are going to be doing in the space and not about any particular element. Okay, so you walk into a classroom and a teacher says, you know, help me look at my space. Mm -hmm. And you're asking them, okay, what, what are kids doing in your classroom? So explain yeah. to us what learning space design is about and what what does your brain go through when you walk into a space well you're never you're never moving in to decorate and make things pretty teachers have been doing that for a long time they do a nice job at that um you're really doing it to amplify learning so that is awesome it's, it's not about the uh, pretty bulletin board it's about the design and it's about the function mm -hmm. it's a, and, and so you so i walk in and um I'll, I'll notice what the barriers are. So there are a lot of design terms that teachers don't necessarily have to know. But if you you notice when you feel blocked by something, and we we went into your room and you had um, your projector kind of behind a podium, yeah, and it sort of created this the, the, a space that it wasn't open. I think that we think about behaviors and places that we're attracted to, and being more open with your students having um, spaces accessible, having their materials readily accessible is important. Right. And so I first I tried to go in and what, could, what barriers could happen, what barriers can come down mm -hmm. around the space. And so even like when I first walked into my classroom, I took my desk and I shoved it up against the wall and I even put the drawers so I couldn't get into them. Ooh. And, and, and it, I'm still not convinced that, that was the right thing nest. to do. What about what? Blowing up the teacher nest, and sometimes it can be a fortress of solitude. It's, it's a fortress of solitude. Good. It is, and I and a lot of teachers they like that. Like the bigger the teacher area, I always think the less you're really supporting your learners. Sure. And and I and I and I I'm more of the get in with the learners. That's like you're 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 maybe the head learner or the guide for that, 
And it's not about you bringing them along. It's about you supporting your students through their learning. Is yeah. I, philosophically, I don't really think we can teach. I think we can create situations in which students can learn. Yeah. And we can support them through that. We, we can do anything we want, and their learning may or may not happen. But if we support that learning, we realize we're not really teaching. So I kind of like to get rid of the teacher desk. And that's just, that's, that's for me. And uh, now the teachers that I'm working with, some of them are doing that. Some of them, their fortress of solitude gets bigger. I respect that everyone's going to be in the right role for that. But uh, so I did that. I, I shoved mine against there, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to be in the center of the learning. Yeah. And using so, the materials that my students are using. So um, tell me about like at the workshop that you presented, you talked about seating and just mm -hmm. about even, even the function of seating. Every classroom has seating in it. Tell me about tell me about seating and about how you figure that out in different classrooms. Well, I think uh, with, with that workshop, I was really focused on having um, creating spaces for active and collaborative learning. And if we're going to collaborate and we're going to be active, we really need to be leaning in. And there's some great information about that in um, Scott Dorley and Scott um, Withalt's book, Make Space. Okay. That talks specifically about kind of seeding and, and the areas that you're going, that you can have. But what I've learned as a designer, we, um, we take away our physical barriers. And if we really want to collaborate with somebody, we, we need to be leaning in. If we want to be creating, we want to be leaning. So if you have a really comfortable chair, then your feet are up, you're less likely to be, to be interacting with somebody. That's, a more, right. they, that's more of a reflective pose. Yeah. It's, it's a great thing to do after you maybe while you're reading or you're going to sit and write by yourself. But if you want to be interacting with others, you, kind of, you want to be ready to get up and move. Because, and and, with, these, and with, our little, with the desks that students often use, to get comfortable because they're so uncomfortable, they're immediately pushing themselves, the, um, the, the, their bottoms forward to the edge and leaning back as far as they can. Right. And, and that's not a pose that's ready to, to, to collaborate and be active. So yeah. I, I like in a space to make as many different kinds of seating as possible. And the hope is that the teacher becomes the, the guide for that and realizes we have low energy, let's all get up and let's go stand at this board and let's talk about our learning now. And so people start to wake up and noticing, okay, we're all exhausted from sharing. Let's all go back into our, 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 our personal areas, maybe on the rug, maybe in that comfortable chair, maybe at a table, maybe standing in the corner and let's you know, maybe write about what, what you're learning or, or start working on your independent work. And yeah. Your, your job as teacher is to, is to notice when you've lost them and, and, and how, how those postures can, can support them through their learning. Yeah. And that just that idea that you're in the posture for your next action. Um, yes. And, um, you know, if you're leaning back, if you're sitting on a stool, it's a different feeling. And it's comfortable for a different amount of time. That as, as there are different kids in our classrooms, those different kids need different seating options um, Absolutely. because they all work in a, in a different way. That was, that was something that, that you said that was just like, holy cow, what, why do we all have the same chairs? Yeah, why are we all facing the same way? And, and I, as, as, as we give that learning back to the students and, and give them responsibility for it, because truly we can't make them learn. 
we right. can just provide them situations in which that, that they feel empowered to learn. So we, I, I think supporting them that, in that way in their physical environment is a part of that mm-hmm. to, to say, okay, I trust you. And, 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 and as very young students, this is what I was working on with a, a kindergarten teacher um, in St. Louis. We went, I went into her classroom because she, she thought there were too many tables. It's always, people always bring me in for something that has nothing to do with what we're going to do. <laughs> She's like, what? I have too many tables. And it's like, but, and, and instead I watched and I noticed that three students were standing, but then they were leaning over uncomfortably. And two students, and other students were very wiggly. And um, so I said, well, let's try this. Let's make a standing height desk. Let's make a lower where, where students can sit on the floor. And so we brought things up. We made three different levels. And, and can we support students to say, we trust you to know where you need to go to learn best? Yeah. And, 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 and she models that, that metacognitive process to say, you know what, right now um, your teacher is, is, is kind of antsy, so I think I need to stand and work. And, yeah. you know, how are you? And, and, and as little students to support them, and so that way they get to high school and they can turn to their teacher and say, you know what, I'm not learning like this. I need to go sit there and just to get up and do it. Otherwise, they spend all of their learning energy in trying to stay still and in a posture that you find acceptable. Right. I love and that. I love that modeling for your kids. Just like, you know, saying you as a teacher, you're, you're feeling whatever way you're going to go work in a different way. Because by the time kids get to me, they've had at least nine years of practice of you will sit in this chair over here and you will do this work in this way. And so yeah. to break them of that is to, to give kids some trust and some ownership in the way that they learn best. And that's, that's awesome. That's good stuff. Yeah. That, and, and I, whenever, when I feel, when I talk to people that have some resistance to that, and I understand that we have to, you know, we're a society, we have to be educated to, to understand an appropriate postures at different times. Um, I think that's a part of it. I think that when you give them, when you give students choices and then you do say, we all need to sit at the table together because I have, we have something we need to do together. They're more, more, more happy to do that. And, yeah. and they can focus. But we look at our homes. No one's home is full of the same chair. We don't have 35 of the same chairs in our homes. That's true. Because when, when we're cooking, we need to stand. So that's a kind of work. When we want to sit and relax with, with somebody, we might have our feet up like I do right now on a table and sitting in a comfortable chair. Mm. And, and, our, and then when we're very tired, we, may, we might be lying down horizontally on a, on a rug of pillows or on our beds. Our classrooms should support all of those kinds of postures like we have in our homes. Yeah. And it, it's not, you cannot for nine hours sit in that same chair from one class to the, to the other. I, I find that students spend so much time just trying to get through the day physically to, to continue to hold those postures. That energy could be spent learning. Yeah. I love that, you know, the world is not full of the same chair for everybody. So why are our classrooms? Yeah, and then one day, you know, sitting sitting at a height, sitting in a in a stool with no back can really work for you, mm-hmm. or, or or a certain activity. But to start to notice that I know that that sometimes this posture is good for me. Other times in my classroom, I I, I appropriate um, wheelie carts like the old ones that we used to put, uh, I think, projectors on. Yeah, they're a really good standing height desk for me. And so I, I, and I stand there and, I'm, and, I, and I'll, I'll work when no students are in the, in the room, in the middle of the room, standing. And other times I might be on the carpet. 
But yeah. with my with my students now, we're just learning to be in our space because I have very young students. Um, but eventually, it will be like, well, you know, do you want to draw? Do you want to do that? There, here are the options. How do you feel like you and, and going through that metacognitive process with sure. them? Yeah, and they have to learn about themselves in order to answer those questions. And they good. do. And I, I think with teachers, um, bringing them, bringing students in as much in the design of the room. And, and having their voice, having their, their learning up on the walls, having them be able to choose. So often, teachers go in two weeks, and these are the teachers who care more than anybody. And they go in two weeks, and they make this whole little home. But in that case, your students come in, and they're your guest. Mm -hmm. It's not theirs. If you create it with them, it's, it becomes their home as well. Yeah. And, and I, I think that it, that's a shift. To say, hey, I don't know where these things should go. Why don't you tell me? Yeah. So and and, and bring you even the, the youngest for students the owner. That's, yeah. It's a good question. And 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 for some teachers, they will never be anything but guests in their room. Mm -hmm. And and that and that doesn't mean they're not wonderful teachers. But as far as we can push the space to support the learning and amplify it, I think that. It, students have to feel a certain level of ownership and comfort and ease to move in the space to support their learning. Yeah, awesome. So what are, what are some good resources that people can learn more about the kinds of things we're talking about? Any books or any websites or other resources you would recommend? Well, um, I know that the third teacher has done a lot of great things. Mm -hmm. um, they have some great videos if you just Google them. They even they have a couple through Edutopia that they, for a very low budget, they transformed uh, a teacher's space. I think that understanding fundamentally some of the principles of creating more collaborative spaces and support supporting in elements, the book Make Space, yeah. which I actually have here. It's a really great book. But I find teachers, I, I, I understand this from a design perspective. A lot, a lot of teachers will buy this and it doesn't fit for them. Sure. So actually, um, Dr. Robert Dillon and I are working on um, creating a book right now that brings all of these, our learning from creating spaces, different applications and methods and just thinking into a language and a composition that can be yeah. accessible for teachers. Yeah, we are in schools with, with low budget. How do we make yeah. it? How do we repurpose? And that's a lot of what you do is, you know, it's a lot of repurposing the or the cafeteria or wherever and make it work in a different way in a room. Well, and we're a part of this maker culture right now, which um, empowering students to change things and to decide to create. We put some chairs in and teachers were going, oh, well, you know, what happens when the fabric on these chairs breaks? Like we've just, we won't have chairs. And I said, well, can we have the students repair them? Can they 3D print something? Can yeah. they take fabric and sew? Can they redesign them? Can they rebuild them? I think right. eventually we're going to have um, 3D printing is going to become accessible enough that students can be designing and creating. And, and often we had students, they built, we gave them the plans and they built the T-walls mm -hmm. pretty independently. I think that students could be designing a lot of other furniture. And that design process, the learning that goes on through that, it changes, they change their environment, they change their learning, and they own it. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is so important. And with Debbie's school at St. Mary Margaret, we brought students in from the very beginning. They told us what they wanted, they approved furniture, and they came in during their summer break to build it. 
Yeah, kids coming in during the summer to take ownership of their classroom. Yeah. That amazed me. It did, and they were so excited. Right. And and now you see pictures of them on their stomachs writing and and researching uncomfortable furniture, and I I think that excitement just keeps building. And again, there we spent, you spend a very little bit amount of money, you keep your spaces in in the way that we don't know if it's going to work. We're okay if it doesn't work. And we're going to keep learning with the students in the space. Yeah. The first room or the first design is the worst. It's yes. the beta. You know, it's, it's going to continue to get better. And that's, and that's where you live and that's what you're comfortable with. So Yeah. That's, yeah. And, that, and that's what I, what, I, what I said to Debbie. I said, when I come back in a year and see this space again, I hope it doesn't look anything like it does when I left. Because it, that, it would mean that the students never felt ownership to change it. Mm-hmm to be the right space for themselves. That's a good challenge. So how do yeah. people get a hold of you if they, if they want to contact you and learn more or bring you into their space? Um, I think Twitter is a great way to get a hold of me. Through there, there's a connection to um, my website, which has my email address on it, and um, some of the projects that I've worked on, a little bit about my history. And so the handle at RLH underscore designed or design ed. <laughs> R-L-H underscore design ed, mm-hmm. where you can find Rebecca. All right. Yeah, and, I'm, and, I'm, and it's, it's great. I have a lot of people who are uh, emailing me photographs and asking me things. I've, I just did a really small space um, with a friend uh, via a Google Hangout, and she was turning me around the space. And I've got colleagues at my new school who, right. who are asking if I can come in. And it's just, I, I, I just see things spatially. and. Um, it's just this weird thing that I, that I do, but it's, it's nice because we can, ju- we can always make it better for the students to learn in a, in a more supportive environment. I asked my three-year-old daughter what her favorite part of her preschool classroom was, and she said she liked... The kitchen area. Why do you like the kitchen area? Because I like to make food there. There you have it, folks. Food is important, which is why we are providing food for free at our next free event called Breakout EDU, which is an ultra-engaging learning game for people of all ages. Games known as Breakouts teach teamwork, problem-solving, critical thinking, and troubleshooting by presenting participants with challenges that ignite their natural drive to solve problems doesn't get any better than this. This event is taking place on October 15th. See the Connected Learning website at www.connectedlearningstl.org for more details and registration. So who should I interview next? Let me know by sending me an email at patrick at connectedlearningstl.org. That's going to put this first episode in the books. On behalf of the Connected Learning Leadership Team, thanks again for listening, and we'll have another conversation very soon.